Hello and welcome to this Endo Life episode 160. I'm Jessica Duffin, I'm an endo warrior, an endo health coach, and this podcast is all about living and thriving with endometriosis. As always, this podcast is here for educational purposes only. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to give a shout out to my lovely sponsors at BU. And I wanted to tell you about their new bath bombs, which are naturally made and contain beautiful essential oils. And their peppermint and eucalyptus essential oils um, bath bomb is doing so well right now with the endometriosis community. They're getting loads of feedback about it. And, you know, if you love the patches themselves you're going to love the bath bombs because essentially it's <laughs> the patch in a bath bomb um so you know if you're on your period or if you're in pain you could have a bath with some of the bath bombs or one of them I don't know you could have multiple if you want um and then yeah get out the bath maybe rub in some cbd balm and put your patch on top, which is um, what a lot of people are feeding back that they're doing. So um, I would love to do that, but um, I don't have a bath, so I can't. But if you have a bath, um, then, you know, I think these new bath bombs could be a lovely way to help alleviate some of your pain. So if you'd like to check them out, you can go to BU, which is buonline.co.uk, And you can also order them from anywhere in the world on cultbeauty.co.uk and they deliver worldwide. Hi guys. So before we dive into today's episode, which I'm really excited about, I wanted to let you know in case you didn't know that I've just released the Endo Belly course. It is a six-week course to beat the endo belly, heal your gut and calm your endo. And in this six-week course, you will uncover the root causes behind your endo belly, learn the exact protocols for healing, identify your unique triggers and endo belly aggravators, and ultimately heal your gut and calm your endo. You'll move from feeling overwhelmed, frustrated, and at the mercy of the endo belly to feeling clear and in control of your personal roadmap to healing. The course has weekly live Q&As with me. And I'm very, very excited to also say we have guest speakers, including Dr. Alison C. Becker and Tara Ghosh, who has been on the podcast before, is going to be taking us through an Arvigo massage session and teaching us all how to practice it on ourselves. At the moment, it is on sale in the early bird price for £100 or £35 a month for three months. So the early bird price ends Saturday 10 p.m. British summertime, this coming Saturday the 8th. So if you want to check it out, this is a good time to do it because you're going to get it £50 cheaper. I've linked to it in the show notes. On the webpage, there is a breakdown of all of the modules, all of the bonuses you're going to get, and frequently asked questions. But if you have any other questions, please feel free to email me or Instagram me, and I'll be happy to chat. So today on the show, I'm deep diving into one of the possible root causes of your endo belly, and that is celiac disease. Now, before you turn this podcast off because you think you don't react to gluten, I am literally begging you guys to listen. This is a short episode, and I really, really think that this is affecting more of you than you realize. So please, please listen. 
So I've noticed a trend in my clients to dismiss celiac disease as a possibility because they don't have immediate reactions after gluten. But here's the thing, guys. The reactions from gluten are not always obvious and they don't always happen straight away. So if you're bloated all the time, tired all the time, maybe you have diarrhea regularly or gas or you have constipation, or maybe you don't actually have any gut symptoms at all, but you have brain fog, fatigue and achy joints and other odd symptoms, then it may be down to celiac disease. And these symptoms don't just have to occur straight after gluten either. In fact, according to the Food Allergy Research and Resource Program at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, celiac disease is a delayed hypersensitivity reaction where symptoms develop 48 to 72 hours after ingestion of gluten. Now, yes, some people with celiac disease will experience symptoms soon after eating gluten, but for others, it's a couple of hours or even longer, as demonstrated here. So just because your symptoms don't show up straight after gluten, that doesn't mean you don't have celiac disease. And in fact, if you tend to eat gluten daily and you tend to feel unwell daily, maybe you have, say, chronic fatigue on a daily basis, then this could be the result of that delayed reaction just blurring into the next delayed reaction because you're eating gluten so frequently, so you just feel unwell all the time. And additionally, the NHS states that symptoms can actually be mild and can come and go, so the signs of celiac may be inconsistent. And your reactions to gluten don't have to be severe either. So for example, my brother was hospitalised with severe abdominal cramping and vomiting when he was diagnosed, but in contrast, my sister literally just said to me she was fed up of feeling nauseous all the time. And here's why it's important to get checked within our community. In the UK... Only 30% of people with celiac disease have been diagnosed and it's estimated that 500,000 people are walking around with undiagnosed celiac disease. In America, 83% of people with celiac disease are undiagnosed and it's not rare either. In the UK, 1 in 100 people have celiac disease and in the USA, 1 in 133 people have celiac disease and the numbers are rising. And as you can see from the stats, the majority of them don't know they have it. And if you have endometriosis, the chances of having celiac disease is higher. Research has identified a strong association between endometriosis and celiac disease. Celiac disease patients were found to be almost twice as likely to develop endo in research. And studies have found that people with endometriosis are significantly more likely to develop celiac disease. To add to that, celiac disease is a co-condition of small intestine bacterial overgrowth which is a condition where normal bacteria, which should be found in the large intestine, are growing in the small intestine. And SIBO is at present estimated to affect up to 80% of people with endometriosis and is a root cause of the endobelly because it causes bloating. So if you have endometriosis and SIBO, this is a really strong indicator that you should get tested for celiac disease. Additionally, just as a side note, in a study of over 200 women with endo, 75% experienced a reduction in symptoms after eliminating gluten for 12 months. That doesn't mean you have to be as strict as someone with celiac disease. So literally they have to separate food prep areas, they can't use the same chopping boards, etc. But not eating gluten containing foods may make a significant difference to your life with endo. Now clearly, this isn't for everyone. For some people in this study, it didn't help. 
And we have to be careful when we talk about eliminating foods as it can be triggering and it can cause issues with disordered eating. So I'm not saying just go and cut out gluten today. And in fact, I actually advise against that at least until you've been tested for celiac disease and I'll explain why shortly. And then, you know, if you don't have it, I advise you work with someone to identify if gluten is a problem for your endo personally or, you know, take one of my courses where I teach you how to do that for yourself. And as you guys know, the Endo Belly course is currently open for enrollment now. So now you know the prevalence rates of celiac disease, I thought I'd take you through some of the signs. Now, gut symptoms are often common symptoms, but some people don't have these at all. And in fact, they have other symptoms that may be seemingly random or connected to endometriosis. So they dismiss the possibility of it being celiac disease. So today, I want to take you through some surprising signs of celiac disease to look out for. Number one is rashes, and specifically, a rash called dermatitis herpetiformis. My brother developed this, but my sister didn't, and the rash turned up probably a year or more before his gut issues arrived, and it's actually common for people who have the rash to not have gut symptoms, though this isn't always the case. The rash looks like blisters on the skin and is itchy, red, and tends to occur on the area, on the elbows, which is where my brother had it, knees and glutes. It's only a rash that appears in celiac disease patients and it's caused by the immune reaction to gluten. It's not a rash that anyone else could get and it's not caused by herpes. However, it does, does look like it's caused by herpes and that's why it's named what it is. Of course, if you have a rash like this and you have some of the other symptoms of celiac disease, it's really worth testing for celiac disease. But you can also get a biopsy to confirm the rash. Number two is dental problems. Now, this tends to occur if the celiac disease developed as a child. And just be mindful that celiac disease can occur, can occur at any age, so it can develop at any age. And it is due to the body being unable to absorb enough nutrients due to the damage in the intestines. And from my understanding, also as a result of the immune reactions. Dental problems can occur as issues with the enamel and they can look like discoloration, patches on the teeth, translucent areas, grooves on the teeth and potentially increased cavities. Additionally, the growth of adult teeth can be delayed too. Number three is mouth ulcers, and these would be on the side of the mouth, so on the cheeks and tongue, not on the lips, so they're not cold sores. These won't occur in everyone, but if they do, they'll usually be reoccurring, and you may have a few at one time. Again, this is thought to be as a result of the nutrient deficiencies and immune response to gluten. Number four is anemia, either B12 or iron deficiency induced anemia or both. And this is tricky because this is also a sign of SIBO. So again, it's really easy to dismiss celiac disease here. And B12 and iron deficiency anemia will cause symptoms like tiredness, dizziness, shortness of breath, heart palpitations, numbness in the hands and feet, mouth ulcers, brain fog, and irritability to name a few. And I've linked to the NHS page for symptoms in the show notes. You can fairly easily get tested for these through your GP or online testing sites like Thriver in the UK. 
and I've linked to a few of them, but getting your B12 and iron tested is, is quite easy. If your levels are low but not deficient, it's still worth ruling out celiac disease because they have to get low to get deficient, right? And if you've only just recently developed celiac disease, it may take some time for your levels to drop. And on top of that, if you have the presence of gut problems, endo, belly, or any of the other symptoms that I've listed, and you have low levels of iron and B12, it's just safer to rule it out. Don't wait until you're deficient. Number five is infertility or recurring miscarriages. And I think this is an important one to raise because we often dismiss fertility problems as a symptom of endometriosis. Now, if celiac disease is diagnosed and treated, as in a person sticks to a strictly gluten-free diet, which is the only form of treatment at the moment, then fertility rates return to normal and are equal to someone without celiac disease. The problem is when it's left undiagnosed. And in fact, the guidance in the UK is that people who have recurring miscarriages or fertility struggles should be tested. I mean, I think they should be tested as soon as the difficulty begins to save people all of the heartache, but I guess it costs the NHS less this way. There are numerous reasons why celiac disease will affect fertility from disrupting hormones, causing inflammation in the body, nutrient deficiencies, immune reactions, and so on. But the bottom line is the only way to treat it would be a diagnosis and an adherence to a gluten-free diet. And then it should return to normal. My sister had two healthy babies once she was diagnosed with celiac disease. Number six is brain fog. Celiac disease patients often report brain fog and fatigue and research is confirming these reports with MRI scans showing brain changes and damage in people with celiac disease. The brain fog may be accompanied by memory loss, frequent headaches and even balance or speech problems. One small study found a significant improvement in patients with celiac disease and cognitive impairment after a year on a strict gluten-free diet. So there is definitely hope if this is a symptom you have and you're diagnosed. And I thought I'd raise this one because so many of us report brain fog with endometriosis. And whilst there are many root causes behind this, in fact, I, I have a whole episode on the root causes of brain fog, and I'll put that in the show notes. Often we just dismiss it as something we have to live with. Just a reminder that this episode is sponsored by BU. These natural patches last for 12 hours, so they bring you prolonged relief and can begin working on relaxing your muscles before the pain kicks in, so you're prepared even if your period comes during the middle of the day. Some people even find that wearing them a night before their period can really help soothe the inflammation in the area. To shop, just head to the link in my show notes. So those are a few of the symptoms that you may not suspect would be behind celiac disease. And these can all occur with or without gut problems and the endobelly, and you do not have to have them all to have celiac disease. Some other signs to look out for include the development of autoimmune conditions like Hashimoto's thyroiditis, type 1 diabetes, which is what my brother developed, and osteoporosis, which I see in a lot of my clients, unfortunately. Now, even if you don't have obvious symptoms. I actually feel quite strongly about this. And I think if you have endometriosis, it's best just to rule it out. Honestly, I really feel like 
it should just be ruled out because who knows how many of your seemingly endo symptoms are actually a result of celiac disease. Maybe your abdominal, abdominal pain is not from the endo. Maybe your fatigue is not from the endo. Maybe your brain fog is not from the endo. So just have a think about that. So now let's move on to testing. To accurately test for celiac disease, you must be eating gluten daily, at least twice a day for six weeks. This is because your immune system will create antibodies against gluten and that's what's being measured. If you're not eating gluten at all or not regularly, you'll get a false negative test result, even if you have the disease. So if my brother tested today, he would come up as negative because he hasn't eaten gluten in years. Once you've done the blood test, you'll then be sent for a biopsy as well, where they take a biopsy of the small intestine. So if you're still not sure whether it's worth getting tested, I've linked to an online assessment in the show notes, which will literally create a letter to take to your doctor if it advises you to get tested based on your symptoms. So if your doctor, quite frankly, is just difficult and doesn't listen to you, take this letter along. So that's it. If you have the endo belly, full stop, I advise you to get tested. And if any of these other symptoms sound familiar, I advise you to get tested too. Left undiagnosed, celiac disease can cause serious health problems and increase your risk of multiple conditions and chronic diseases. And we've never lived in a better time to be gluten-free. So even though it might be a hassle, it will be worth it in the long run. And I've also linked to some gluten-free courses and cookbooks in the show notes. Um, I'm not an affiliate, but I love them. So some of them I haven't tried, but I want to try. So hopefully they'll be helpful for you and will inspire you. And in case you're wondering, yes, I'm going to get tested. I have tried to introduce gluten daily a couple of times and I get, I feel too sick to get past it, but I've made the decision being in Greece and not being able to access gluten-free and having gluten much more frequently than I would, my symptoms are not good. So I am going to (laughs) take the plunge and eat gluten for six weeks every day, which I literally haven't done for about 10 years, seven years. It feels quite terrifying, but I have a really, really high chance of having it because of my brother and sister. Um, So if you have a parent or a sibling, I think a grandparent, then you have a really high chance of having it. Um, So yes, I'm going to get tested. Um, When we get back, I just need to sort of create a meal plan of how to eat gluten in a way that is good for my blood sugar, because often things like white bread and pasta aren't great. So yeah, I will let you guys know the results once I get that sorted. So I'm doing it. Um, and I'm challenging you all to do it. Let's just get tested together and know, um, and then we can all bake gluten-free goods together. I hope this episode was useful. I hope you now understand um, that you don't just have to be rushing to the toilet straight after gluten, that the symptoms can be more um, subtle, and I hope you can appreciate why it's so important to get tested. I'll see you next week. So that's it. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to find out more about what I do or read more on endometriosis and living well with it, um, you can head to my Instagram page, which is this underscore endolife. 
um, you can head to my website which is www.thisendolife.com and you can also get um, a free guide to managing endometriosis naturally on my website um, I've put the link in my show notes it's a beginner's guide to getting started and all of the areas that I um, have worked on to help reduce my endometriosis symptoms and pain and live well with endometriosis as always if you like this show please rate review and or subscribe really truly does help others to hear the podcast and hopefully will help them to live better with endometriosis this episode was produced by the pod farm whether you're an established podcaster or just getting started visit thepodfarm.com to see how they can help you go from an idea to a finished show that's ready to be heard by the world Thank you.